Welcome to Off the Deep End. I'm your host, Erin Monahan. I'm an anti-girl boss, trauma-informed, astrology and tarot-obsessed business and mindset coach, a writer, speaker, and professional toxic masculinity interrupter. And in this podcast, we go off the deep end about all things entrepreneurship and how to do business without compromising your anti-capitalist values or paycheck. Hello, friend. It has been a little while since I've recorded an episode. I've been just kind of, I don't know, I don't even know if I want to call it taking a break because I don't, I'm not the kind of person to like officially take a break necessarily because I know that like I'm more of someone who kind of operates from like when I'm inspired, I do something, I take action. And if you're familiar at all with human design, I'm a a projector. And so I follow my energy. And I used to think that that was like a bullshit excuse to procrastinate. But, you know, after unlearning capital or working to unlearn capitalism more and more every day, I realized that that's true and that's real. And it was really validating to learn that as a projector, I don't my energy just doesn't operate in the same way that other folks do and that's true for all of us regardless and outside of human design all of our energies are different we all have different capacities and the point of one of the points one of the goals of dismantling capitalism and oppressive systems like white supremacy and patriarchy and imperialism is to be able to honor our individual capacities and so-called strengths and weaknesses. So I I just kind of, yeah, so if you're new around here, <laughs> I just kind of, I put out podcast episodes whenever I feel like it and whenever the mood strikes because that that's what feels sustainable to me. And I have thought about this long and hard and sometimes... Or for for a little while, I guess I was like self conscious about it because there's so many other amazing creators and entrepreneurs and writers and speakers and educators out there who have these really amazing and consistent and reliable podcasts and they're podcasts that I listen to every day and that I that I eagerly wait for when the next episode is going to drop. And I've always wanted to create a platform, a podcast where that is, where where I provide that for people. And I've had to realize and come to terms with the fact that that's just not going to be me. (laughs) Maybe one day, but right now, like, that's just not in the cards, metaphorically and literally in the tarot cards for me. And um, I just don't have that capacity. And so, yeah, so this is... You know, somebody who I, you know, I love Erica Hart and Ebony Donnelly. They are amazing writers, speakers, and educators, and they have a podcast episode, if you haven't heard of it yet, called From Hood Rat to Head Rap, and they, they publish episodes just like whenever they want as well, and like, so I just, I'm inspired by them and how they resist, um, how they resist systems of oppression on the daily ba- on a daily basis and they they talk about how how they are in process of resisting capitalism white supremacy and patriarchy and imperialism 
So I'm inspired by their approach. <laughs> and that's kind of, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with this podcast. But so, you know, going with that idea of like kind of just going with what I'm inspired by, I, for some reason today, was really, in, well, it's not just for some reason. This is very much speaking to what's going on in the so-called zeitgeist and just in general what's happening right now in 2022 when it comes to up you know the black lives matter uprisings and the the consequences of that and when i say consequences i just mean like the outcomes or like the ripple effect that happened from that and the the strikes and the labor unions that have been happening and the protests that have been happening um, when it comes to low-wage workers like expressing that they need and deserve and um, yeah, should be receiving higher wages. Maximum wage is something that I recently, <laughs> I recently learned about the phrase maximum wage or, you know, a lot of anti-racist femi- black feminist educators I've learned from use the the phrase, a thriving wage, a wage that allows you to not just survive inside of capitalism, but thrive. So with these, with these protests and strikes that have been happening and with Amazon workers striking and succeeding and becoming a union, um, I'm just going to Google the name of the, the person who, who spearheaded that because, um, I want to shout them out and name them. So let me just Google that really quick. Um, Amazon. Yeah. So on, well, this is, this is on, I, I pulled up an article on CNBC on Monday, April 4th, 2022, Chris Smalls, the Amazon labor union president talked about was was interviewed talking about how like why he decided to unionize and and how that all unfolded so kudos to chris smalls and fuck yeah to the employees to amazon employees for that and i yeah i'm I'm just really um invigorated i suppose i don't know what the word is invigorated or inspired and like fuck yeah to the people who are fighting back against these systems these exploitative systems and so I I was thinking about this and you know yesterday I went to the climbing gym and I am living in so-called St. Louis the traditional territories of the Ocheti Sokoan the Osage and the Miami peoples and I go climbing at this climb climbing gym called Upper Limits and I've had so many, so many conversations with the management of Upper Limits about their, about the racism that exists in that space and about just how inaccessible it is, about the toxic masculinity in that space. And there was really no change. And then when, so that, you know, I moved back here after living in so-called Portland, I moved back here in like, the fall of 2019 and so then when 2020 hit and the protests were happening um and the black lives matter protests were happening 
then after the, the aftermath of that, then there started to be posted these signs that say like, here are our values and like the language of like they're, they're using the language of justice and like the language of equality and equity and like we're welcoming to all and all this bullshit because ultimately there's no real action being taken. There are no real changes happening in that space. The space is still predominantly run by cis white men and the space is predominantly taken up by white people. So there's really no actual tangible changes being made behind the scenes, but they did put up a bunch of like posters that say, here are our values and all this bullshit when uh, I had a conversation. They they had uh, one night when I was leaving the gym a couple, this was like in 2019 when I had just started climbing there. And one of their employees was wearing a sweatshirt that said, blue lives matter. And I was like, what the fuck? And so I started, so I had these conversations with the management about that. And what came out was that it is, they, they just, they said that it, they believe it was freedom of speech and that, that blue lives matter and black lives matter is a gray issue. So that's where they stand on that. And I, yeah, so there's been no tangible changes at that gym and it's just a bunch of bullshit hypocrisy, which is, you know, rampant at all. most climbing gyms. I really have never climbed at a climbing gym that doesn't have white supremacist, capitalist, patriarchal values. Um, and yet this, you know, covered by a facade of we're inclusive and we want diversity and blah, blah, blah. Like all this language of like diversity, equity and inclusion but then they're still operating within this, these cis hetero patriarchal white supremacist norms, capitalist norms too, because then you look at the structure of how the businesses are set up and how money is made and how much they're charging people and how much they're paying people or not paying people. And it is extremely exploitative. And so so yeah, so I was speaking last night when I went to the climbing gym. I talked with these two employees and I as I always do because <laughs> because I just walk around and in the spaces I'm in, I tend to get into conversations about systems of oppression and I am very passionate about people getting paid a living th- a thriving wage. I'm very passionate about people advocating for themselves and and I'm very passionate about about helping people and encouraging people to feel empowered to to yeah just just do what they can in the ways that they feel capable of or or, you know like I know that it takes a risk it's it's very risky um to speak out against these systems especially when you are have multiple marginalized identities but so I I mean even if it's just me lending an affirming or validating ear or or whatever to folks like I'm always I've always had a penchant for talking with people about the bullshit these bullshit systems that we exist in and validating and affirming that it is bullshit because personally I've been so gaslit I mean as everyone has been in this society that I've made it kind of my mission to help people to feel 
like they're not crazy, like to help people to realize that you're not the crazy one and that these systems are fucking bullshit and they have been brainwashing us to believe that this is okay and that this is normal and it absolutely fucking is not. So so yeah, so this 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 podcast episode is basically me um feeling like I want to rant basically about the bullshit inside of climbing gyms and the way that these businesses are structured and it's not unique to climbing gyms of course like uh like of course this is not unique to climbing gyms but because I frequent climbing gyms and because I am passionate about climbing and I spend a lot of my time in a climbing gym and I I have a background in writing about the exploitation in the climbing community and the bullshit and hypocrisy of the climbing community. This is something that is often in my mind and on my heart and in the conversations that I have with folks. Um, yeah, and, and of course there's more to this conversation than just inside of the climbing gym and there are more components to this conversation and by the by that i mean like components of gentrification and the lo- phys- the physical location of a climbing gym and the the physical space that it takes up on land that is stolen and on land that is that is unseated and that is that, that belongs to the original stewards of the land that it's on and how climbing gyms are are mm, complicit in ongoing colonialism. So that is an entire um, component of this whole conversation that I won't really be able to get into in this podcast episode, but I want to acknowledge that. And that is very much a part of this conversation. So to start to start us off, I want to kind of go back in time and tell you about how in October 2015, I got my first job at a climbing gym. And this was Planet Granite. This was called Planet Granite in Portland, Oregon. They are chain or whatever chain or, or you know, whatever whatever it's called. I don't know, like the, the technical language, but I believe it's sort of like a chain of climbing gyms. And um, they had multiple locations like in California and then they moved to Portland, Oregon and now they are expanding across the country, so-called United States and they were bought, I think they were bought by Movement Climbing Gym. This is like, yeah, so they merged or they were bought by this place and so now they're called Movement. And so in October 2015 when I got this job, this was at the height of my climbing obsession. And I was also at this time gradually becoming more and more aware of and outspoken about my anti-oppressive values as I began diving deeper into unlearning oppressive belief systems and unlearning my own conditioning under imperialist, white supremacist, capitalist patriarchy, as bell hooks called it. And so this was the phase where, you know, you start to see oppressive power dynamics everywhere and you're like, what the fuck? My life has been one big lie. So yeah, I was in the middle of that and I started working there and I was also starting my blog. The The blog was called Terra Incognita Series, which turned into Terra Incognita Media uh, a year later. And I was really trying to start exercising my voice and expressing myself and putting to 
words what I had been thinking and brewing over and mulling over in my mind when it came to my relationship with feminism and the world and power dynamics and really waking up to whiteness for the first time in my mid-20s and really uh, realizing like what it meant to be a white person in the world and beginning to start the process of detaching from my commitment to the construct of whiteness, which is something that I want to acknowledge and give gratitude to Kenya Budd, who is a equity and inclusion consultant in so-called Portland, Oregon, who helped me to really unlearn and examine my attachment to the construct of whiteness and begin to unravel that, which is an ongoing and lifelong journey. So I was in the middle of all that and I started working at this gym and I had this really naive belief that everyone aligned with my beliefs and values. (laughs) The climbing gym community, like the climbing quote unquote community, because they like, you know, people in the climbing community, quote unquote, like to believe that it's a community and that like everybody gets along and, and that there was, I mean, for me, when I got into climbing, there was this idea that like, oh, climbers are so welcoming. Climbers are so generous and blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah, I've had people who have expressed that to me and who have had experiences like that. And then at the same time, there have been people who have been absolutely traumatized when it comes to their first experiences encountering people who are climbers or people in climbing gyms or going to a climbing gym. So no, this idea that there's like this like all-inclusive and welcoming and warm and anti-oppressive climbing community, like No, absolutely not. There are fucking toxic masculine raging assholes in these spaces. And I've heard horror stories and and just the trauma that people experience when it comes to engaging with folks or or trying to get into climbing and the barriers that exist too when it comes to the climbing community and how inaccessible it is because of the cost of a, of a membership because of the cost of gear and because of the places that you go to climb on stolen land where it it takes gas money and you have to have gear and like all these things and the knowledge to be outside and then the politics of like physically taking up space in these sort of more remote areas like and and considering who feels safe in those spaces and historically it has not, yeah, um, white people have made these spaces really unsafe for black people and people of color and indigenous folks. So, and, and yeah, you know, the history of colonization. So all of these things are, are present. And I, this was, you know, when I got this job and I was starting to write about these things and trying to express these things that I I was still learning and unlearning about. I quickly found out that it wasn't the case that everybody at the gym shared my beliefs and values. And so I wrote an essay that called out and criticized the management that led me to being ostracized and gaslit and was pretty much pushed out of the job. Although because I'm a cis white woman, I'm, I come from an upper middle class background, I want to say and and acknowledge all those things because I had a lot of privilege with being able to 
write about these things, being able to exist in that space and speak out about these things. And I did end up getting pushed out from that job. But ultimately, the consequences of me speaking out were so much less because of my privilege and access to power because of my identities. So for years, I was attempting to have these conversations with the managers about making the space more accessible and and truly more welcoming to all people who weren't just cis white men. And there was so much resistance, so much bullshit, and just going in circles and beating around the bush, there's just so much resistance. And so, of course, I wasn't the only one speaking out about these things either. There's a group called PDX Climbers of Color, and Anne-Marie Santos is like the, the, the forerunner of that group and one of the main, the main, I don't know, like I would say engines of that group because Anne-Marie has been on the ground doing that work for years and it is palpable and tangible and it's been incredible to witness. So PDX Climbers of Color has been doing incredible labor of making Portland's climbing community safer and more welcoming for people of color and removing barriers of access for marginalized folks, for all, all marginalized folks. And, and so today I live and climb in so-called St. Louis, the traditional territories of the Osage, Miami, and Ochete Sokoan peoples. And I'm still having lots of conversations with people who work at the climbing gym that I that I frequent. And so what inspired this essay or what inspired this podcast episode is the fact that last night I was talking to folks who work at Upper Limits, the climbing gym that I climb at now. And this gym is a chain. It's it has like a lot of locations in the area and it's planning on expanding into other places into another location and it, upper limits markets itself as local and family owned and sure it it technically is like the owners are married but this makes it sound this marketing makes the gym sound more wholesome than it really is and through through research and also through talking with the employees at these at this gym I've learned that the owners are are incredibly wealthy. They have a plot of land that's huge. They have a climbing gym in their yard. They have all the things that they could need and more, and yet they're still paying their employees jack shit. They're paying their employees minimum wage when they could absolutely be paying their part-time and full-time employees way more than minimum wage. And not to mention the membership fees are exorbitant and completely inaccessible for lots of people. And during the pandemic, when the pandemic was first, when we had the first surge of COVID, the, I remember the gym fundraising. <laughs> they put on a fundraiser to help the gym stay afloat. And then they encouraged people to to keep their memberships to keep their membership payment plans going. They they were asking people to not cancel their memberships to help sustain this local family-owned business. Okay. 
fucking bullshit. Like, absolute bullshit. Because this place was fine. Like, they, like, that money, like, where did that money go? Because the money was not going to the employees. Like, these employees were not getting paid to stay home when the pandemic came and, like, shut everything down. So where did that money go? You know? And, like, the money, they like, this, this, these owners, climbing gym owners in general, like, are making big money, like making good money and they're paying their employees jack shit. So it's just a big exploitative machine. And so many climbing gyms, I haven't really come across one climbing gym that doesn't have this hypocritical situation going on where they're going to purport holding quote unquote community values you know, values about like humanity and being inclusive and yada, yada, especially after the 2020 Black Lives Matter movement protests took to the streets in unprecedented numbers. This has been on the rise, like these climbing gyms and, and, you know, marketing that is like all about diversity and inclusion, but really there's no true action behind it, right? We don't just see this with climbing gyms. We see this with all kinds of brands. But when you look at the lack of actions being taken behind the scenes, things don't add up. And like I said, a climbing gym membership is expensive as fuck. Employees are not being paid living wages. They're not getting benefits. They're not getting health care. And the owners rake in excessive profit while the staff goes without sustainable income without health care without benefits so yeah i'm the girl at the climbing gym ranting about maximum wages and how if there's ever an organized strike i will be there to protest alongside employees if they ever decide to and i get yeah so i you know part of why i was also inspired to talk about this is because i came across <laughs> in one of my boxes of stuff like i just have you know boxes of stuff of sentimental things and i saved one of my employee reviews from the climbing gym i worked at so i have this I have this piece of paper this planet granite employee review that they gave me on may 23rd 2016 and yeah, it's just, it's fucking hilarious. Like, I just want to, I guess I want to just speak to this idea of like, the fact that we're in the society, people are expected to work their asses off for low wage, and to still be expected to pull themselves up by their quote unquote bootstraps. And we live in this society that, that that pushes the propaganda of a meritocracy where if you work hard enough you can make it to the top where kim kardashian says people don't work these days nobody wants to work these days get your ass up and work that's that's her best advice for entrepreneurs like this is the world that we live in and i guess i'm just here to rant about this bullshit and also just to to just give um some airtime to the fact that if you are working for an exploitative company or you're working at a business and maybe if you're listening to this, you're probably like a creative and uh, somebody who wants to be or is an entrepreneur and wants to do your own thing and to figure out how to work within these systems outside of 
exploitation. And one of the ways that we can do that and that I've learned from Toy Smith, who's the founder of Business for the People, and um, I've also learned this from Naomi Clark, who is a feminist money coach and educator, is that, you know, Naomi Clark said, I will not exploit myself in my own business. And that's kind of the message that I want to share is that I want to help folks to feel empowered to advocate for yourselves in the ways that you can wherever you are and to to know that you have every right to have boundaries in the spaces that you take up and in the workplaces that you're in and that you deserve a living wage you deserve health care and benefits and you deserve dignity and respect at your jobs and I know that it's not possible for everyone to advocate for themselves and I know how it's it comes with violent it can come, it can be met with violence and it can be met with a lot of pushback and emotional, psychological, it takes an emotional, psychological, physical toll to do that. So I'm not saying this, um, you know, as if it's like some really easy thing. And I want to acknowledge that I have immense privilege having this conversation. So, so yeah, all of that, all that being said, um, yeah, I, I just think that it's this this review that I got was hilarious because it just speaks to the fact that even before I truly knew what capitalism was, I was always kind of anti-capitalist because <laughs> I thought it I've always thought it was bullshit to put in a lot of work for little pay. And this this bullshit idea that there is low skill work and that that doesn't deserve to get paid more like uh, as much money as quote unquote high skilled labor that there's like a difference of low skilled and, and versus like high skilled or whatever like there's no such thing as low skilled low low skilled labor there's no such thing and like the jobs that are considered low skill are extremely you have to absolutely have skills for those jobs they are absolutely like you yeah you have to have high skills for a lot of these jobs that are considered low skill work um and yeah it's just it's just extremely bullshit and we've been brainwashed to believe that that's just the way it is that when we are in these businesses and in this capitalist system that enforces this hierarchy that the people at the bottom quote unquote are getting paid a low wage because they have low skills and then the people at the top have have higher skills they get paid more it's like it's just bullshit it's absolute bullshit and there is no there are so many people who have high positions who have positions of power and who are who are the higher ups quote unquote in a business who get paid really good money and don't know are are just completely un like incompetent to do their jobs and there are people who are way more competent maybe doing the lower wage work but are getting aren't getting paid as good of money so yeah, and and it's just funny cuz like I want to share some of these some of these things from this this employee review. So the like when I my review basically I had a I got a really pretty much a pretty poor review. 
<laughs> like they graded you on like the job expectations. So customer service and professionalism, I got a three out of five. Okay, bullshit, because I was so good at customer service. If there's anything I'm good at, it's customer service. I love interacting with people. I that was my that's my biggest like strength is is creating connections and networking and talking with people. <laughs> but um there the comments that I got about this was Erin is great at interacting with the climbing community. Often I see her know members by name and welcome new climbers to the community. Erin at sometimes lacks a professional tone when working at the desk. <laughs> so I got marked off because I don't I didn't have a professional tone while working at the desk. Okay. And we know that like any kind of professional any any ideas or or attempts at at or like reinforcements of professionalism any kind of propping up of that is just white supremacy. And then there's the category of teamwork, productivity, and dependability. <laughs> so I got a two out of five. <laughs> and the comments were that I can be distracted at times, especially if not given direction, and that I work great with the staff, but that this, that my manager thought that I could be more self-motivated to complete tasks from the list. <laughs> and to me, it's just like, yeah, like, Absolutely, I'm not motivated to complete those tasks. The tasks on the list was bullshit. Like, I didn't want to go and clean the treadmills or the stairs because I knew that I wasn't getting paid good money to do that bullshit work. I wasn't going to do that bullshit work for the manager who was an asshat who wasn't paying me enough money to do that, to do those jobs. And also, I wasn't doing work that felt fulfilling. And so the one of the problems that I want to talk about too is that when you're in these quote unquote low wage jobs, or there's no quote unquote necessary because yes they are low wage jobs, but um, you're not you're expected to do that work for years, right? And this also speaks to like internships where you're supposed to do this like grunt work, the work that nobody else wants to do, and ultimately be exploited for years and then prove that you can do the work, this like grunt work, that that somehow proves that you are capable and able to like hold a higher position, which is bullshit because you can be someone who's completely capable and skilled at a job and in a, in a business and then, um, without doing that, without doing that grunt work. And it's not to say that that grunt work isn't necessary or that it shouldn't be done, but it should get paid good money. Like people need to get paid good money to do that work, just like somebody who's sitting in an office doing computer work or whatever should get you know is is getting paid good money um, so the next category was policies, safety conscious event scheduling memberships, and register accuracy, so working at the front desk and doing like register stuff so uh and also like yeah safety in the gym. So my the comments, I got a three out of five. <laughs> the comments were, she is awesome at, at safety checks and great at being professional with individuals that are difficult. Erin has no problem ap- approaching people, especially when it comes to safety. Her grasp on memberships and signing people up for classes is a little rusty, but with small reminders is great. Okay, but I still got a three out of five? Like, sounds like I did, sounds like I was doing great. Sounds like I was doing a hundred percent job there. <laughs> 
I've just thought this review, I remember thinking this review was such fucking bullshit. Like, they couldn't just give me a five out of five. Not once. Not even once. Of course not. Of course not. So, the next category was belay lessons and tests, retail knowledge, and additional lesson and tests. So... They the co- I got a three out of five again, and the comments were, Aaron can teach the best ballet lesson at PG. Damn right I can. Or could. <laughs> still, still could. Although this mostly depends on her enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah, it, it did. It did. Because, because ballet lessons are exhausting. It's a lot of emotional labor. And when you're not getting paid good money, doing emotional labor, doing any kind of labor, right? Again, like, you just, you know, depends on your mood. It's like, eh, I don't really feel like that today. And then comments continue. Aaron's retail knowledge is limited but sufficient for the majority of member needs. That is an absolute bullshit statement. I remember saying to them, no, actually, like, I know a lot about gear. And this is a sexist statement because you don't even know how much I know about the retail area because you've never even talked to me about these things but I knew and do know a lot about gear I'm well today I I actually like definitely don't I don't have I'm not like not brushed up on all my gear knowledge because I haven't yeah been obsessed with climbing in the same way but at the time I definitely knew my gear and my technical yeah I knew my technical gear absolutely so that was bullshit and then the next comment was, she is really good at catering to the needs of customers and lessons as well as in the retail area. Okay, so that like go, that's counter to what was just said. I'm good at catering to the needs of people in the retail area, but yet my knowledge is limited. That's, see, like, I don't, what the fuck? They're just, they're just trying to find things. They're just trying to find things. And then he said, I don't see her volunteering to teach lessons often. <laughs> fucking hilarious because this was at a point where I was really trying to I was saying like I really want to teach more advanced lessons I wanted to teach lead class lessons I wanted to teach technique and balance I wanted to teach just more advanced lessons than just belay lessons and I was ready to quote-unquote move up and do more advanced things in the gym and take more roles of leadership in the gym and I was constantly being told no And I watched all these men, all these cis men who worked at the gym, take these positions of leadership before me because I wasn't exceeding in the areas of the front desk or in like these, these menial tasks that they are talking about that I got distracted by doing. So (laughs) yeah, so that's bullshit. And then I just want to read like the amazing, hilarious uh, comments on the back Erin is very personable and knowledgeable and a fixture in the climbing community. I think she could improve upon her knowledge of PG front desk procedures and volunteering to teach more belay lessons. Erin is amazing to work with, but it is easy to tell when her mind is elsewhere. (laughs) Her passion for climbing is palpable and oftentimes brings a great vibe to the desk. At times, this passion pushes her duties to the (laughs) backseat. Aaron's peers' comments above show a similar trend we have been saying to her for months. Aaron's quote-unquote value add to PG is her passion for climbing and relationships within the community. However, her performance at the desk, especially someone with her tenure, is subpar. She is easily distracted, requires constant direction, and often seems disinterested in performing basic job duties like teaching a belay lesson. (laughs) 
We have discussed these issues before, not getting tasks done, requiring direction, prioritizing social relationships over front desk responsibilities, and yet there has been no long-standing change. It is clear from the comments made by your peers, both in this review and verbally, that this puts an unfair burden on the rest of the front desk staff and a cause of frustration for them. We encourage Erin to be vocal about what support or training she needs to improve. If there is no improvement, there will be consequences up to... There will be consequences up to and including termination. So basically, this was this was all kind of the culmination and, and the aftermath of me writing that essay that criticized the management. And this was their attempt at pushing me out. So they never, like, notice how they didn't give me, like, any five out of fives. Not once. Like, not not once at all. And, like, while they, they definitely <laughs> noted my social skills and my... Uh, customer service skills and all that jazz they were really really trying to go in on the things that I was doing wrong or that like how how they were trying to emphasize how I was fucking up and this was their way of creating like a paper trail and they did this review to kind of show proof that I wasn't performing the duties I needed to perform and this was their way of like slowly phasing me out and moving me towards getting fired basically and so what happened in the end was that I was given the choice to be fired or let go (laughs) which sounds bizarre um but I feel like that's also it was also like a privilege of being white and that that my identity showed up in that in that realm to kind of that gave me the privilege of not just being fired but yeah so basically I was pushed out but and and I had the choice to just be like, yeah, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm going to resign. Or basically, I was told that I'd had to quit or get fired. So yeah. So you know, it's true. I was I was a chatty chatty girl. I loved. I was a little Miss Chatterbox, and I loved talking to people. And like my to the point that my climbing partners would get so seriously annoyed with me. So sorry to any of my previous climbing partners for that. <laughs> but overall, the review was basically saying, Erin hates doing menial tasks around the gym, like cleaning and being stationary at the computer when she's not being properly compensated for it. Erin refuses to work hard when she's getting paid crumbs. Erin knows her worth and is only here for the free membership, discounts on gear, and access to expanding her climbing network to bolster her feminist media project, Terra Incognita Media. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not going to work my ass off for crumbs and to have no fulfilling work and to not feel fulfilled in a job and to feel no, like, expansion when there was, like, there was so much promise when we were getting, when we were, this gym was just opening. And so when we were the staff that was opening the gym, there was a lot of promise of like, quote unquote, moving up and like doing these, t- t- you know, teaching, being able to teach classes and all that stuff. And I like was doing these amazing ballet lessons, but just like wasn't getting opportunities to like teach things that I was actually really passionate about teaching. So I expressed this to them over and over again. And uh, cause I had, I had ample experience and skills within that realm, but I was denied it because I wasn't good at signing people up for memberships or doing these like more menial tasks. And it's this kind of bullshit that keeps people unmotivated 
to do the menial labor. And it's this, this reflects the hierarchical system of capitalism, of quote-unquote working your way up, which means that if you don't do that, if you don't do it to the management's liking, and if you don't play your role and you don't stick to the status quo and do things in this uniform way, then you're not going to be able to explore the areas of a job that you would actually enjoy or that you would actually exceed in until you quote-unquote pay your dues. Meaning, really, that you have to endure incredible exploitation, doing the work that no one else wants to do for little to no payment in return. And so, of course, I could have been more motivated. Of course, I could have been (laughs) more (laughs) enthusiastic about these, these duties, because how could you expect someone to be motivated when you pay them, like, little to nothing, And I think my favorite line from that review was prioritizing social relationships over front desk responsibilities. (laughs) So clearly, you know, if, if clearly my strength was, was in community development and networking and a, a good boss of a business would see someone's strengths and play to those strengths. So this is like a criticism on yeah, business in general and the way that businesses operate, obviously, but that, that we live in this world where like you are assigned a job and if you're not doing that job, then you are made to feel like a failure and that like that you are inept and ill-equipped and unskilled when really like it's, it's like we need to have businesses that are operating in a way where you can see someone's what they enjoy and what they get lit up by and what they are excited about and what they have, you know, skills in. And then you work with them in that way and you play to those skills and those strengths. And so if people, if bosses, if whatever managers really wanted to see people thrive and really wanted to create a thriving, healthy business, they would make sure that their employees are thriving and healthy too. And they would make sure first and foremost that they are thriving, they are healthy and that they were would play to their strengths because then that would help people to feel more fulfilled at the jobs that they're in. But again, capitalism doesn't give a fuck about your unique strengths and your unique skills. It just cares about how you can perform the labor in the most uniform way so that the higher ups can make the most amount of money in the least amount of time. And I think that's pretty much what I wanted to say about this for now. (laughs) and um to kind of conclude right now to kind of wrap this up with some astrology right now in the cosmos jupiter is moving through aries and one of my favorite astrologers Catherine urban she's an amazing astrologer she wrote about this current transit and this is what she wrote about it this is a quote from her blog and you can find this on katherineurban.com so she writes jupiter and aries emboldens radical statements Everyone has their own truth, and Jupiter in Aries discourages allegiance to, let's say, one's political party. We will see more fearless expressions under Jupiter in Aries, perhaps pushing the pendulum even further in either direction. Simultaneously, legislative threats to Roe v. Wade endanger those with uteruses, access to safe medical procedures. Between anti-trans legislation and the bills slated to censor sexual orientation and critical race theory in schools... Jupiter and Aries promises to enlarge these stories. Jupiter and Aries encourages us all to speak up. 
I'll say that again. Jupiter in Aries encourages us all to speak up. So that's kind of the message I want to end with is that I want to I want to encourage you like Jupiter and Aries is encouraging you to find your voice wherever you are to resist oppressive norms in the spaces you take up in the ways that you can in the ways that you're able and believe in your power despite these systems that want to convince you that you have none. I hope that this resonated somewhat. I hope this was helpful. Please let me know how it landed for you. Please send me a DM on Instagram or you can email me at Aaron at AaronKMonahan.com. And if you are in the so-called St. Louis area, I am going to be doing free astrology mini readings next Thursday on May, what is it? Uh, May 19th, Thursday, May 19th at Rise Coffee Shop in the Grove. I'll be doing free mini readings. They're having their first Thursday event. There's going to be live music and I'll be doing free astrology mini readings. So if you want to come and get your birth chart read by me and chat for 15 minutes about what's going on in your life, then yeah, come by. It'd be so fun to see you and to connect. I, um, if you are new to astrology, this is just a beautiful tool to use to kind of affirm and validate the path that you're on or to get some insight and guidance into your purpose and to your life path and journey. And basically, um, yeah, it's just a really nice tool to kind of interpret like where you're going, where you want to go. So, uh, yeah, I would love to see you there. And I'm trying to think of anything else that I want to share before I end. Um, yeah, I'm not really doing a ton of live courses or webinars right now because I'm just taking a really huge step back. I haven't been posting on Instagram a lot and just been kind of going into a cocoon because I'm just really focusing on studying right now and just um, feeling really compelled to study a lot, study more astrology, study more about trauma and somatics. And that's because I'm in a ninth house year, a ninth house perfection year. And um, also it's Taurus season and that's in my ninth house. And the ninth house represents higher education, wisdom, philosophy, worldviews, long distance travel, things like that. So anyways, um, I will talk to you next time. (laughs) And I'm sending you so much love wherever you are and with whatever is going on in your life. I'm sending you strength and love and abundance and blessings. And I am hoping that this season yeah, brings you everything that you need. And I will talk to you soon. All right. Bye.